everybody. Welcome back to the Guy Watch Podcast. It's Phil Gothier again, and I hope you guys have all been doing well. This week, I am so fortunate to bring to you a gentleman who's kind of made his way through some of the the Christian channels and the fitness area in the world. I seen him on the CBN, did a testimony article of him, and he's been on podcasts and other websites as well. His name is Rob Decker, and, and Rob has an amazing story of transformation just in where his life was and and how down he could possibly be and now how he shines as a husband and as a father and works in the realm of fitness to try to encourage and support others so i hope you sit back and enjoy rob decker Rob, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the Guy Watch podcast. I feel fortunate enough to have you here. Um, one of the things that I thought about was I seen the story that they did on the uh, CBN, and it had an amazing story about you, and I thought that having you on the show and sharing your story with our listeners would be something very special. So... If you could give our listeners just a little bit of background on you, that would be amazing. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Phil. Hey, no problem. Um, so a little bit about me. You know, I'm originally from Northern California. I, I currently reside in, in Southern California. I'm a personal fitness trainer. I'm also a Bible-believing, God-fearing, Jesus-loving Christian. I use my message to, you know, to encourage hope and inspiration in others through His love. Growing up in Northern California, I come from a very like, well, it's a broken home. It's dysfunctional. You know, a lot of us do. Growing up in my house, you know, my mother and father, they had different parenting styles. My mother and father, my father is actually my stepfather, but he raised me since I was six months old. Him and my mom met when I was very young and she got pregnant with his kid and they got married. And from that, they developed um, our household and you know, early on, there was a lot of trouble at the house. You know, my dad's a, he was a pretty heavy drinker. And my mom, she, she, I don't know how much she, she was involved in that stuff, but I know that through talking to her, she told me that she got more in, involved in the drugs and the alcohol as things happened in their relationship, as, as the marriage and uh, got rocky. Through my early years, my father and I would start bumping heads a lot. You know, I wasn't his biological kid, and, and I think that it bothered him a little bit. Uh, my mom always played a little bit favorites with me because, you know, because my real father was nowhere to be found. And, and you know, my, my dad, I, I don't want to confuse anyone, but my dad had my sister, you know. And, and so the family, you know, they, they played favorites with her. Um, I was a little bit black sheep, but my mom you know, tried her best to keep me close. And I think that over time, there was just so much conflict in our household through all the, the drinking and the drugs and the domestic violence. And, you know, there were so many occasions when I was growing up, I'm almost 40 now, when I was growing up, domestic violence was a little bit different. Like the police came out to the house, you know, might take you down to, to jail. And then, you know, a couple hours later, you're out and, you know, the family's back at it again, or the, the arguing and the fighting's back back at it again and, and this is just something that continued to happen through my younger years into my teenage years and you know as a teenager you start to become very rebellious is which is what I what happened to me you know I started making new friends I was going to high school and I, I picked up on drinking um, I started you know smoking marijuana and hanging out with a different crowd you know my dad definitely didn't like my friends he didn't like the people I was hanging out with him and I think I was kind of drawn to them because I knew that my dad wouldn't really like them too much uh, conflict con constantly was going off between us to a point where when I was 16 years old you know my dad had come home and he had been drinking and uh, he had brought his girlfriend home you know my mom was there at the house and she woke up because she heard all the, the chaos and the arguing and everything and and um my dad comes in my room and, and, you know, tells me to get out into the kitchen and go do the dishes. And I wasn't having it. And at this point, like my dad and I had such a, a rugged relationship that, 
it was just like a lot of bad words. A lot of bad words were flying out of our mouth, our mouths, and and um, my dad ends up flipping me off the bed. Tells me if I'm a real man, come see him in the living room. Okay, that's what I would do. Cocky young kid, I go out there and I, you know, I, I try to stand up for myself. And my dad takes me. You know, um, my dad was a fighter in the military. He was intoxicated. There was some nasty things coming out of my mouth. It was just an ugly situation. I end up with a busted lip, bruised ear, the, the taste of blood in my mouth the next day at school. This was the kind of thing that would happen in our house. Not that my dad and I would fist fight all the time or that I was always subjected to so much dysfunction as far as the girlfriend coming home. Like my dad pretty much kept that away from the house. But, you know, this was the environment that I grew up in. My sister was off like doing drugs and she got pregnant at a young age and you know, this was our, our household. When I got to about, uh, I want to say, 18 years old, my family, because of everything that was going on in the house, eventually gets evicted out of the house. My friends from high school, they bring me into their home. They do their best to kind of take care of me and, and nurture me. Um, I have some amazing people in my life that did their best to kind of parent me and love me and, and, and friend me. But, you know, I always had these issues with my mother and my father and, and my sister. You know, I, I always wished we had a better relationship, but I think a lot of what developed when we were younger because of our parents, we didn't get to have that bond. Well, this was a lot of stuff that I didn't get to deal with and or that I tried to deal with. And, and so I ran to drugs and I ran to alcohol and I was doing coke and acid and mushrooms. And I, I basically did everything but like heroin and meth like those just weren't the things that I did it was more of the party type stuff but I got addicted to that party type stuff um, as time went on I would date these different girls I'd have three or four girlfriends at a, at the same time and you know I was very destructive I was very selfish I would you know I would hurt a lot of people I just looked out for number one I just looked out for me and, and, and I kind of had this survival mentality well eventually um, closer to my 30s, I was 28 years old and I met this young lady and this young lady worked for a bank and, and I happened to show up at that bank one day. I was going to catch a check with some, I was selling drugs at the time, I was selling steroids and I was went to go cash this check and I happened to get there from a, a, a girl who I was dating. It was her car. So I was actually dating this girl going to cash in some drug money at this bank and I met this new girl and you know me, me and this new girl start talking and we start hanging out and we're partying and we're drinking and you know we become boyfriend and girlfriend and everything about that relationship was absolutely wrong absolutely wrong we end up getting into some altercations ourselves and, and we broke up and during that breakup there was this guy this guy that I worked with at uh, one of my jobs who was always trying to trying to get me to come to his church and his Bible studies. And, you know, he's always preaching God to me. And, and, you know, in all honesty, like I believed in God. I always knew God was there and he existed to what extent. I didn't really know so much. I mean, I believed in Jesus, even though that was not something that was pushed in our house. I think it was just something that was always planted in my heart. You know, I just knew for whatever reason, it was just a good idea to go to this Bible study. So in that Bible study, I ended up getting saved. I'm feeling good, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm hanging out with these guys from church and I'm, I'm opening up the word and the word makes sense to me. Uh, at least a lot of it does. Some of it I, I, I struggled with, but, but this young lady walks back into my life. Uh, she, you know, when I found God, she found escorting. Because I found God, even though I was still troubled and I hadn't dealt with a lot of my stuff and I was still struggling with some drugs and alcohol, it was very premature in my faith, I went back to her and, and I almost became preachy to her. And, you know, this is not what God wants for your life. And, you know, so I, I tried to come back into her life to help her out. In the midst of all this stuff, she was getting rid of all these clients. She had this one last client who wanted to take her on a trip to Hawaii. And, and the deal was is when she got back, we had to clean the slate. Her and I were going to get back together. Everything was cool. And while she was over there on that trip, um, this gentleman had raped her and beat her. She called me, shared some stuff, sent me some pictures through text of the black eye and everything. And, you know, she's very apologetic. And she wanted to make sure that when she got back, things were good between us and, and that we were just going to 
we we were going to rejuvenate and, and restart our relationship. And so she gets back. It's Memorial Day weekend. I've been partying at my buddy's house. She touches down, calls me up, comes to grab me. Uh, we head out to the liquor store. First, first uh, order of business, right? Get some more alcohol. Head back to her house. And while we're there, uh, we start drinking and we start talking about some stuff and the things that had been going on. And, you know, it was supposed to lead into something that was intimate and it didn't. It led into me more being like, I just can't do this. I'm overwhelmed. Um, you know, all that stuff that happened to you plus all the stuff we've been through. I mean, things were just really shaky. It just was a, an uncomfortable place. And, and I knew that being there and I knew that relationship was a wrong relationship. Um, I just shouldn't have been there, but I was. And, uh, we get into it. I decide to go downstairs, you know, I'm going to sleep it off. Um, I'm going to get away from the, the madness and, uh, there's a banging at the door and, and, uh, she comes downstairs and I ask her about it and she tells me, you know, I called the cops and I let them know that, that you tried to rape me and you tried to kill me. And, uh, in that moment I was just so broken I was so confused and I was so over it. I, uh, just don't want to be there anymore. Um, even though I found God, you know, a couple months prior, it was just like, it was too much. This, this, this whole thing was just too much for me. Everything that led to this moment, it was a week after my 29th birthday. I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't. So I chose to take my own life or at least attempt to. And I turned around and I jumped headfirst out of a window. Uh, when I broke through the window, my foot hit an awning. I flipped in the air. I ended up landing on the concrete about 35 feet below shattering my left arm, my right wrist, collapsing my left lung, and broke, breaking my lower back, severing my L2. Um, I was paralyzed there on the ground. I could barely breathe. And I remember looking at that broken window and gasping for air and asking God why. You know, why? Why would he let me live? Uh, you know, up to that point. Oh, go ahead, oh, Phil. I was going to say, you know, that was one of the things – when I watched your video, and your video is on your on your website too, and we'll make sure people know how to get there so they can see this as well. But they actually yeah. showed pictures of your body, right? And so you've seen the scars, and you seen oh, yeah. you seen you know your back had that that large scar that goes down it with the X rays, and you can see yeah. was there was there uh, rods in your spine now? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, if you go on the website. Um I'm pretty sure I have pictures of the actual x-rays where you can see. So the way that it happened was initially they opened up my side or my oblique muscle and they went in through the side to get to the front of my spinal column to put a cage in. Um, after the first surgery, it, it wasn't working. So they had to go in there a second time. And, and, uh, after that second time I was able to kind of drag my foot, uh, before I started to learn how to walk again. But their great fear was that I was going to continue to collapse forward because my bones weren't fusing. Things weren't moving right. They weren't healing properly. And so eventually they opened up my back. Um, so the rods that you see in those x-rays is where they opened up my back and locked me in. There's like 13 screws, like four rods. I mean, there's two on each side where they stacked on top of each other. There's just a plethora of hardware in there. So You'll see the scars from my back, and then in my arms, my left arm, there's a bunch of like – I don't have x-rays of my arms or my wrists, but there's screws and plates and all that stuff where they had to kind of put everything back together like Mr. Potato Head, kind of put everything back together again. Yeah. And um, yeah, so you can you can see all that stuff on the website. I think one of the things – you know, for me, I, when I notice that stuff, it's always kind of different, the stuff that hits me. And you know, I feel fortunate enough that I get to hear stories from a lot of people who have been – in hard times and, and God yeah. has been able to come, you know, in the end and, and rescue them from where they are. But right. most people that I get to talk to have internal scars, right? I mean, we all yeah. suffer from those. Life isn't easy. We, nobody gets through unscathed, but right. to, to actually be able to visually see those, those external components, which are going to line up with those internal, internal ones too. Um, right. You know, that that was the part that really impacted me, you know, because you can hear a story sometimes. Right. And and yeah. you take it. And for me, that visual piece is what really made it real, you know. And so I, I think that it's it's so 
promising that you have that out there because all those little pieces, you know, affect people in different ways. And so I just thought that was something that, that jumped out at me at least. But when we look back to your, your childhood, one of the things that, that I learned early on in, in my walk was that those things that I grew up with really affected me later in life. And I had to come to terms with the root of my issues and, and realize what pieces stemmed from where. And, right. you know, for me, being an addict when I was younger, you know, that had to do a lot with escaping from the reality that I built for myself and, right. you know, trying to find uh, a kind of love and home and understanding with these people I was with. But, you know, that was, that was the way that I could see affection. And so right. when you look back at that, I mean, with these relationships that you're starting to get into as a young adult, does some of that stem back to from your desire for understanding or the learned behavior of uh, the dysfunctional relationship type stuff that you see oh, in your family when you, know, when you move forward? Yeah, for sure, man. Like, here's the deal. It's like, you know, you learn you learn love and trust and dysfunction from your family, from your parents, right? I mean – that's who you're around the most. And so I think a lot of times you like with the relationships with women, I was always trying to chase this love that I wasn't getting from my mom. Now, not bashing my mom. I love my mom. She did what's best. She did what she knew how to do. You know, she had gone through her own stuff. She was raped and beaten and kicked on and spit on. And she, she was run through the ringer, you know, um, before she even had me, you know, part of her having me was, she wanted someone to love and she wanted someone to love her back. And, and so I understand that I'm very compassionate to that. And, you know, God shed light on me about her with that whole situation. My dad has own same thing. You know, my dad had his own stuff. Like I know that he had his own demons and stuff that, you know, those guys never addressed up until that point. And so a lot of the anger and the, the violence I learned from them in the house, you know, the cussing, the hitting, the aggression, learn that but then you know to pick up on the drinking and all that kind of stuff like yeah i saw it all the time it was actually kind of normal right and and you start carrying that on so with the women the relationships you know i would jump relationship relationship because i was looking for something but i could never seem to find what i was looking for because i'm, I'm looking for like a, a, a mother's nurturing love <laughs> and and it, that's i don't not know if that's yeah. Go ahead. That's in the, you know, and that's not something that a, a 19, 20 year old woman can can give you. Oh. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Right? But you don't understand what you're looking for. You just know you're looking for something, but whatever it is that you're chasing in these people like they aren't giving it to you even if you don't know exactly what they're what you're looking for if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Um, you know with my dad too, like I think that I you know, there was a lot of men in my life that I looked up to my, my friends, fathers and stuff like that. Cause I always kind of wanted that father figure, but the, they were someone else's father. And so I, I drew really close to my guy friends. I wanted other people to value me, you know, because I wasn't getting that value in the home. So I know that a lot of my behavior indicated like the need for those things, you know? So I, I became very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not competitive. I'm very competitive, production driven i guess like i always wanted to be number one always to prove a point there's a much better word that i'm looking for that's just not coming to me right now but but that's just who i became you know i always wanted to prove and prove and prove that i had value that i was worth something and a lot of that just had to do with like i just wanted my dad to say hey you're doing all right in life you're doing okay in my eyes you know so you have your mom you have your dad and so that reflects those other relationships that you have in your life. And that's something my father wasn't around when I was growing up. I was raised by my mother. And so, yeah. you know, one of the things that I look back on now is how was, uh, you know, how was that role modeled to you? You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's something that I've really looked at. And in growing up and being a young man, I didn't know how a young man was to behave. I didn't know how a man right. was to behave. And when we look at society and we look at these people around us, you know, you can't go to a movie and see what a real man acts like, you know? And, and when, when you have kids, 
I think that it changes things too, because you really realize that your parents did the best that they were equipped to be able to do. I f have failed as a father so many times, and that's one of the things I, I love talking to people who are going to be new dads. And yeah. one of the first, you know, the, it's always scary, whether they admit it or not. It's, it's scary. Life is about to change dramatically. And so I share some of those failures with them because they're kind of funny. And at the end of the day, we all have failures. And there's For no sure. book that, there's no book that's going to help us be the dad to the kids that we have. You know, they can give you some guidelines, but at the end of the day, you have to figure it out as you go. Well, you know, I, what, I, what helped me really is um, the word. Learning how good of a father God was helps me be a really good father to Caleb. You know, I have a 13-month-old right now, and, and um, if I can lean on any literature or any book or any guide map, you know, it definitely would be that. Like, God shows his love, and then I learn from that love that he demonstrated through the word. And, and um, so that does, that does help as far as any other type of literature out there, you know. And part of being a father is just experiencing it, too. I enjoy learning these things as I go at the same time. I mean, unfortunately for me, um, uh, a son who is 18 years old and um, also, you know, and, and, and I was young and involved in drugs and all. And I was just a misfit, you know, and, and I never got a chance to raise him. Now, praise God that today... I can have a relationship with him. So I never got to raise him, but he actually grew up very similar to how I grew up. It, very interesting how that works. So I never got to be a father to him, but now that I'm close to 40 and I've been walking with the Lord for a while, and I definitely don't want to do to Caleb what I did to Christopher, and, and I don't want to be like my my biological father, right? I don't want to be like the father that raised me. You know, it's like you start taking all those experiences and then what you know of the Lord and you try to apply all that stuff and kind of piece it all together and try to be the best father you could possibly be. Yeah, and I love that idea that you're looking to scripture to learn how to be a better parent because there's and when you initially look at it, there's not a, you know, there's there's guidelines on how you should be with a child, but it's not right. there's no point a to point b to point you know i mean it's there's not a yeah. there's not a roadmap through it and right. uh i signed up to take this fatherhood course through through our church and it was called you know it's about grace-based parenting mm -hmm. and i read a little bit about it and i thought it was kind of going to be you know that idea of free-range kids and you just let them do what they do <laughs> and, and really yeah. you know yeah. sometimes that i'm too disciplinarian with my kids or you know what I mean I that that idea that your kids get to do whatever they want that doesn't that's not how my house really works all the time and maybe right. it should I don't know but uh the thing that I found was that it wasn't about letting your kids do what they want and forgiving you know to an extent it was about showing them the grace that God has shown us and right. and being there for them role modeling for them when they mess up and they, they break through those boundaries, there's discipline for them, but there's also love on the other side of that. And that was something that's, that's really kind of opened my eyes to how God, our Father, shows us how we can be that father to our kids. I truly believe that like he's going to continue to pour into us and, and we're going to keep leaning on him just like our 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 kids are going to lean on us like we're going to lean on him you know for for answers and i and i think you're right like i think in the whole grace process something i never want to forget is the things that i've been through you know uh, the things that i've experienced and and understanding how i felt in those moments and and why i felt those way that way and uh, what led to certain responses of mine so that I can look at my kids and be like, ah, I get it. I understand where you're at and, and um, hopefully give them a different response that will lead into better behavior. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I think that kind of on a different note, but yet one of the things, you know, you talking about modeling it and obviously you, you speak and you, you visit and, you know, there's many places where we can find your story. So you're very right. open with your fault. And that is something that, that I try to do as well. And I sometimes am taken back by how that is accepted in different churches. 
Mm. You know, I'll go places and, you know, you want to talk about violence or drugs or living a, a hedonistic life. Like, I can talk about where I've been. And I've right. had people be like, I don't understand why you would ever share that. And I share it not out of, I never want it to be taken as, look at what I've done. You know, I want uh, it to be. You're not bragging. I'm not bragging because there's nothing right. glorious about what, what I've right. done. But there is a a mass amount of grace that can be shown from my life. And there's also right. a lot of stories that I can show you that you don't have to make the same mistakes that I did. I, I've never quite understood it. So I was, do you kind of run into the same thing at places where you, where you open up and then people just kind of look at you like you're crazy for telling them? This is awesome. This is awesome. You know, awesome. Um, I'll share some experiences with you. Uh, early on in my walk, you know, my experience is my experience. What I went through is what I went through. And my heart was, hey, I want to share my stories and the things that I've been through so that I can make an impact on others so that maybe they know that they're not alone in this whole matter. You know, I went to a church where, you know, some churches are different than other churches. Some pastors, some will be very receptive to what you have to share because there's this genuine desire to really want to change people. And then on the flip side, there's there's also a genuine desire for certain people to build their worldly churches. And you don't want to get too, they don't want to get too risky with the stories uh, because they're afraid of scaring people. Um, the truth is, is that Jesus, what he's done is mighty and it's powerful. And, and the transformation he can do in your life is is amazing. But sometimes I think man just wants you to lean on man. Um, they want you to lean on the church and that system where um, on the other side, it's like uh, it's probably not as well received, but it's like, you know, bring it all to the table. This is what it is. This is the, the mighty transformation of the Lord, and this is what he can do. And it's a genuine spirit behind that. And so when I was involved with the other church, it's like, well, we're going to let you tell your story to a certain degree. We're not going to talk about rape. We're not going to talk about murder, right? Like that, we're just, they were just, that's just not going to happen. That's too, that's too deep and too dark for our church. Well, because they wanted a happy place. They wanted, and we're about to go down this certain path and, and, um, I'll do my best to tread lightly with it, but you know it's more of a candy-coated version of Christianity where it's like it's all good and life is good and God is grace and this is you know and and they want to keep that message, that really positive message. But you know the reality is that not everyone lives that positive life, and a lot of bad stuff happens to really good people, and those things need to be addressed because you know putting on the face that everything is okay uh, isn't beneficial. Right, it's it, it feels good to come to church and listen to some music and to hear that sermon. It's encouraging, but at the same time, like let's get down to. Um, I've been to places where it's like I've got to really dig deep and get to share my story, and people are just in awe and they're just like so grateful that you shared. I had this young lady just fall to her knees before me, crying, thanking me for the difference that my story made in her life. I don't even know her story. But that's because I was able to kind of put it all out there. Um, so, you know, you're going to have different groups that are going to be more accepting of the story than others. Um, I think to address your question a little bit more directly, you know, I've had people that are just like shut down by the fact that I was able to talk about it. And then people that have been very receptive to it at the same time. And, you know, the truth is, is that if you think I'm crazy for sharing my story, Ah, so be it. Jesus was pretty crazy for a lot of the stuff that he did, right? But yeah. there was an ultimate mission that was on his shoulders. And not to say that's who, that's, you know, I'm not Jesus and that's not my mission, but he did it before me. And well, I have to, I have to open up my heart and I have to be vulnerable and I have to be transparent in order to make an impact on people's lives because the more open you are, it's, it's just showing God's glory, right? It, it's it's showing the power of his abilities to be able to open up and share these these devastating events of your life. Well, and I think that also, you know, those places where maybe it isn't free to talk about. In your case, you said we don't talk about murder, we don't talk about rape. You know, we don't we don't talk about these things. But that's a right. detriment because where do you draw the line yes. on that? Because as Christians, our goal is to show broken people a better way. 
why would you take that person who maybe is experiencing things that your church doesn't talk about or is not comfortable with and then not allow them to have a place there? You know what I mean? It's, for me, that's, that's a detriment to the growth of the church. And well, there's two, diff- there's two different growths to the church, though. Like, in my personal view, you have the actual physical growth of the church that leads to financial benefit of the church. And then you actually have a spiritual growth of the church. You have big churches that have very little spirit in them, right? Um, it's, it's a hangout spot with good music and a cool little message. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and then you have the spiritual where it's brothers like you and myself, where we get to share this stuff on an open format and really get to make an impact on this is the church. You and I right now, Phil, we're the church. This is what we're doing. Uh, we're the evangelists. We're the preachers, right? We're the disciples. This is what we're doing. This is what Christian Christianity should be, right? This is the impact that we should be making on people. Just imagine everything that happened to the disciples and all, all the wear and tear on them and people dying on crosses and being hung upside down and having heads cut off and people being stoned to death and thrown into fires and ripped to shreds, like people dying for their faith, but you're afraid to talk about rape and murder. And it's like, uh, we've been dying for centuries yeah, over imagine, this stuff. Imagine the early church saying, oh, we don't talk about persecution. You know, we don't, right? we, we don't talk right? about those. Yeah. And personally, I think that I love sharing my story with people because God allowed me to have that story. And right, and I love that. how you said earlier, I never want to forget where I came from. And, right. and that's the same way that I feel. Like those are experiences that God has given me that, you know what? Nobody else has an experience like that. That is my personal walk right. and my personal journey. And I have learned what God needed me to learn to get me to the right. point where I am today. You and I just probably are very hard headed. That's all. So he oh. had to, he had to throw a little extra something on us. Like, that's, okay, Phil. Okay, Rob. <laughs> that's exactly it. You got to, you got to hit me with a hammer. So, um, like, I'm gonna pull you out of this mess, but you know, you're asking for it. So, you know, but it's cool. You know, and and you know, I've I've been asked a million times, what would this Rob tell younger Rob, or what would you have done differently? It's like, you know what? Absolutely nothing, man. <laughs> nothing at all. There's nothing I would change because everything that I've been through is where I am today and, and why I am who I am today. And it, it gives me a true passion and understanding of what I'm talking about. And I'm able to share these things because of those experiences. I, I wouldn't change anything, not at all. And, you know, even with anyone that may have done damage to me in the past, like I forgive them, you know, and, and, and that's a great forgiveness is absolutely amazing. And, and that forgiveness on those people can, possibly open up their heart for something else too so and i'm not mad at those people anyone that because a lot of times like we were talking about earlier they just knew what they knew how to do right and um i think that we're called to show that kind of grace and that mercy and that forgiveness onto onto those that have hurt us right um because it's our actions that are going to lead to the change of those people as well possibly and that's one of the things that, that I have found is as my faith has progressed, I've learned how forgiveness is so important. And, yes. you know, it doesn't mean that I forget everything, but it means that I forgive you. And right. one of the things I've, I learned is that I reached out to people that still come to mind that I hurt in life, you know, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I reached out to a handful of people. And I remember there was this, this kid that uh, in high school, I bullied him. You know, I was, I was kind of mean to this kid and I remember, you know, I made him cry, you know, and, and just different things that were not appropriate. And I reached out to this kid and, and I said, you know, Hey, I'm sorry. And he, his answer was, well, what did you do? Like he did not even remember right. those things that I did to him that dwelled in my mind for 15 years, but right. yet they still ate me alive, you know? And that's, I think that's what forgiveness is. It's, it's. It's forgiving everybody else for the things that we've done, but yet making it right with ourselves as well and forgiving ourselves for those mistakes that we made and, and realizing that we are new creations and we are people that are called to do better and live differently. For sure. And I love 
with that, like I, I, I love the whole forgiveness for ourselves as well. So it's, it helps me not jump into alcohol and not jump into drugs. Like people become very self-destructive because they don't forgive themselves for the things that they've done to themselves. You know, I'll take my mom for an example. Like for years, she didn't forgive herself for the things that she did to me as I grew up and it was raised and led to a suicide attempt, you know, and, but I forgave her. And I think that that constant showing of forgiveness to her and the constant reaching out and love and like, Hey, no matter what, you're still my mom. And I still love you with all my heart. And, you know, you're the woman that God gave me as my mother. Like that helped her deal with a lot of that. That helped her forgive herself, showing all the forgiveness that I had to pour onto her as well. So, you know, it's, Forgiveness is that one amazing multifaceted tool that, that God has given us for free if you want to utilize it. And we think about all the things that – how many times God has to forgive us. You know, I mean Oof. I have to be forgiven. I have to be <laughs> forgiven every day. day already. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, and that, but I mean there's just so much truth to that. Yes. And for us to really – us to want to receive that forgiveness, I think that we have to be able to really use that in our lives as well and be able to forgive others. So – um, well, that's scripture. Yeah, that's yeah, scripture right there. It is, sure. you know, and but I mean, it's and it's just such a a better way to do life, <laughs> you know. I mean, but, but really, that's what you know. I mean, when we look at scripture, though, that's that's the guidelines for our lives. If right. we if we do what we're supposed to do, our lives will be better. <laughs> right, right. Never perfect, you know, and and not to say, you know, not to say the Lord never said that we're never going to struggle, right? Like um, He says, you, you know, will struggle. Always, we're not going to always prosper. I mean, just because I feed you hundred dollars doesn't mean I'm getting 700 back. I don't know about that gospel, but, uh, we may suffer in this, in our walk with him, but that's just part of the walk. So, you know, you, you, know? you talk about that given, given somebody a hundred bucks and they give you 700 back. I have, I have something that happened to me last week. <laughs> For sure, let's hear it. So I, I, I totally, you know, health and wealth gospel is is not anything that prosperity I want. Prosperity gospel, for sure. Prosperity gospel, right, it's not my let's way. Do it. <laughs> so I'm I'm at the hardware store, right? I run a construction yeah. business. I'm at the hardware store and I'm in a hurry. This guy in front of me, he's running his card. He's trying to purchase these things, and he doesn't have any money. He's four dollars short. He's run his card five times. I'm supposed to be at a job. I'm irritated and ready to go, right? I'm, I'm right. not showing Christ in that moment at all. <laughs> and so I pull $10 out of my pocket and hand it to the lady. And I'm like, just take it out of this. Have a great day. You know, pretty much get out of here. I got to get going. <laughs> and uh, the gentleman comes over. He was an older man. And he comes over and he tells me, oh, you know, he's given me all these reasons why his card wouldn't work. Well, they put a hold on my gas pump. I just filled up with gas and uh, you know, the other day I went over to Walmart and I got this and this and this and, you know, and I just, I realize it's embarrassing if your card doesn't run through or you don't have any money, right. you don't want to be in that position. You know, I get my change back. I just try to tell him bye and he won't leave. He keeps talking and, you know, and I'm kind of <laughs> irritated. And so he pulls out pesos out of his wallet. He's like, well, I, I have some Mexican money. And I was like, I'm good, man. Don't worry about it. You know? And he's like, no, no, here. He's like, Here's, here's some pesos. This is like $7, I think. And you know what? I don't want to be the guy who makes you feel bad. Like I realize that if that's what he can give, I'll accept that. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to right. not, not accept the blessing and, and have a two-way street there. So he gives me 10,000 pesos and tells me it's $7. I don't know what a peso is worth. <laughs> and so I just take it and and put it in my pocket and say, thank you. Have a good day. And he, he leaves and I go about my business and I called my wife and I told her what happened. And I would told her, Hey, no, I felt kind of bad for being a jerk, but you know, I was in a hurry, you know, making excuses right. for my poor behavior. Right. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to, what is 10,000 pesos worth? So I pull up, you know, everybody's got the phone. I pull it out of my pocket, yeah. type in pesos to dollars. It's 550 bucks roughly. Wow. So, I stepped in begrudgingly and right. helped this gentleman out and right. he gave me $500. And I don't know if Great. it was an accident or what. If I could have found that gentleman, I would have gave him it back because I'm sure he <laughs> needed it far more than I did. But, you know, it, it was all said and done and, and I just got thinking about it. And you know what? That was, 
that was a way that I was trying to bless him, I guess, and make sure he got the things that he needed. But at the end of the day, I'm the one who got blessed. I'm yeah, the one. For sure. I'm the one who's humbled by that because you know what? Five hundred dollars goes a long way sometimes. I agree you know, with that. And, and, and if you want to throw two fifty my way, I'll take it. No hey, problem. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> it's a, it's we'll in the mail, buddy. It, man. <laughs> but yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't believe it, you know. And it, and it just really got me thinking about how even when we when we try to be a blessing and and we try to be helpful, you'd never know what that blessing is going to come back to you as. And you know what? That one for me was immediate. But some of them take years. You look at yeah. you look at biblical characters; those, those they waited lifetimes for blessings. You look at Abraham in in his life. You know, want, wanting children. God promised him children. You know, he he grew to be an old man before he ever had children. In that influx, in just trusting that those blessings are coming. You know, that's just, that's just so important sometimes. <laughs> well, I think what's amazing about your story is that. As knucklehead as, as we can be sometimes, God still loves us and he still blesses us. And um, if he needed to use that as a way to kind of open your heart to do something different next time, you know, like, so be it. That's what God does, man. Like, he's the ultimate, like, ninja figuring things out when it comes to the way that we learn, <laughs> right? Yeah, it really is. Um, he knows us way better. And I, I think that's, a you know, an amazing uh, story because that would be humbling that would be such a humbling moment for me like man god how could i be that way and um but yet you still took care of me like but the reality is he does that for us all the time right it, half the time we don't even realize we're, you know we're, we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing and 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 yet he still loves us that much that he still takes care of us like that so yeah you know in in those yeah like you said in those ways that just are not tangible sometimes yeah and so yeah. well I, Kind of off the sidetrack there, but um, yeah, for sure. So, so now you have been, you've got a, you've got a young child. You're married yes. now, is that correct? Yeah. yeah. And and God yeah. is God is blessing your life right now, and yeah. and so you're you're working in uh, as a physical trainer, personal trainer, correct? Yeah. Yes. And and so yes. you have all of these people surrounding you. You have this life. What is God doing for you now? And how how you are know, you using that to I you know, kinda like with, with that guy giving me money. I always try to pay that forward, right? I, I want to right. be a helper. I want to be God's hands and feet. What what's going on in your life now that that you're doing that? Oh man. Um you know, I'm I'm really and it's crazy because the way that all these things have unfolded was it's it's definitely his plan. It was never my plan and never how I, I viewed any of it. And the opportunities that come before me are definitely not something that I would create myself. It was something that was given to me from him. Um, you know, getting married and all that stuff, like it's crazy. Even when I met my wife, like I knew she was from the Lord and I the challenges that our marriage would have. Uh, we're about 12 years apart in age and, and I brought some baggage to the table and she had her stuff too, you know, just naturally in relationships. But, you know, I knew the, the Lord had brought her into my life and, you know, we've had a pretty crazy um, relationship and, and we have this beautiful son together. And and um, I think it was about my 10th year of, of breaking my back. And I was talking to this Christian woman about how I wanted to make more of a difference. I wanted to go out there. I wanted to use my story to really change the hearts of individuals, to really look at God and his goodness. And, and um she was like, hey, why don't you reach out to CBN, right? This is where the video comes in. And so I did. They loved my story. They came out. They videoed it. Around the same time, a woman at my work uh, happened to be a writer for a local magazine, heard my story, same thing, put my story out. So CBN and the story all came out at the same time. Well, then I met this guy who was a Christian who was a motivational speaker, and I was like, man, I kind of want to do what you knew. Not really, but kind of because I want to talk more about the Lord than just being really encouraging um, and sharing my life experiences where he had different life experiences. And he led me into a direction, and God just kept opening these crazy doors, and one thing led to another. Before you know it, I'm on stage talking to the youth at a a church sharing my, st uh, my my testimony and then I'm getting on these podcasts and I'm, I'm able to share my story with with uh, listeners and you know over time like you start seeing these doors open and it 
with the podcast, I had to create my own website, um, robdeckerspeaks.com. And, and that website was basically like, okay, well, I'm going to take all my podcasts. I'm going to take the CBN story. I'm going to take the written stories. Anything that I can bring together and put on that website to honor him and to, to, to be a light to, to the people, like I'm going to put it on there. Uh, anything that I have my hands in. And so that's really young right now. Um, ultimately, the direction that I'm going in, and the Lord's going to continue to put the light on that path. But, you know, I want to continue to speak and I want to go in front of crowds. I'm actually going to be in March. I'm going to go to celebrate recovery in LA and I'm going to share my story with a bunch of recovering addicts and folks that are struggling and share his redemptive abilities and, and his transformation abilities uh, with the people. And so my heart and my goals are, I always want to do personal training. I love personal training. I love the physical body. You know, the physical body makes me realize that God is just an amazing creator. Um, if you understood the human body and most of us will never truly understand the human body and, and how in depth it is, it's like, you know, only a creator could create something like that. Um, so I'll always have a hand in fitness. Like fitness is something I always want to do. I believe in taking care of yourself physically. I, I believe in, uh, working out and eating well to take care of your body, to prevent disease and sickness. We actually have a lot more power than people think. Most people just aren't educated enough in, in those arenas to make those changes or they're too busy. They're so consumed. And so priorities are kind of twisted and, and they need to be rearranged and everyone has their own set of, of stuff. So I'm not saying everyone's being lazy and everyone's uneducated. There's just a lot going on. Well, Robin, so, in, in my life, you know, I know I, I've talked about it on the show before, but you know, I've lost over a hundred pounds. Good for you. And, uh, That's awesome, you know, it though. goes back I to, I was lazy <laughs> and I, I didn't understand how to eat right, how to do these things. Right. And, and when I finally got motivated and I finally got, the gumption to really step out and do that. It was amazing with the weight loss and with the, you know, all the things that go with it. Anxiety was gone. Depression was gone. You know, these different things that, you know, that you pray for. And I, I, and I can't say that I did it without God. God was encouraging me and he was there, but those were the things that directly correlated to my mental health, my physical health and, and everything was tied together. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I would agree. love. I would love to. Uh, yeah, we we have to talk about that another time. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. I, I definitely the spiritual and the physical. It's it's all connected, and because I take it's so easy. It's so much easier for me to have a relationship with God when my mind and my body are right. Right, like when I'm in physically fit shape and my my mind is sharp. Like it's so much easier to communicate with them. I, I feel good all the time. I broke my back. I had to learn how to walk again, right? So I have a different appreciation for for my abilities. The fact that I don't take pain medications with all the hardware that I have and all the damage that was done, like I'm just very grateful to God that I get to eat well and that I get to exercise, that I get to do these things that they said I was never going to do. And I'm sure that you do get a lot of messages because I know I was looking through your social media one day and I ended up coming across, I think it was a hundred burpee challenge. Yeah, man. <laughs> and being somebody who, who comes in and out of the gym every once in a while, I have no desire to do a hundred burpees. So it was something that was. <laughs> or even one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no one and, wants to do burpees, man. <laughs> and so I think that there is so much that can motivate, no matter what level of fitness or faith or where, wherever you're at in that walk. I think that it's so important that we see these people that we can kind of look at for some sort of inspiration. For sure. You know, and, and I'm never going to be that guy or that trainer just thinks that I, I totally kill it or crush it. You know, you'll see all my posts like I'll be like, man, this sucks. I hated every moment of it, <laughs> you know, but I did it just because it was a challenge. I You're running. I hate running, but I do it just because I know it's good for mental clarity. It's good for my body. It's a mental challenge. You know, it's good for my physical body. So you know, I'll, I'll keep it real. You know, I, I try my best to keep it real. And, and so I do hope that whatever quotes or videos or pictures that I put up on, on my social media uh, definitely encourage, inspire people to make just a little a little change. Uh, I was out the other day and I was giving my neighbor a hard time because I walk, walk past his garage all the time. And, 
and he has this equipment in there and he never uses it. And um, the next day he walks up to me and he says, thank you uh, just for kind of giving me a hard time about it because yesterday I went to the gym and I started walking and I had this for dinner. Sometimes even those interactions, like you never know the impact you're going to make on people. And so I just want to continue to push that stuff out there and, and hopefully that someone will grab a hold of it and take it and own it and create a whole healthy lifestyle um, whether it's the physical activity, the nutrition, worshiping the Lord, like, I mean, the total package would be great, but we all start somewhere. It may start little, but just to move in that direction. And I think you know, I laugh. You talk about being, um, you know, a trainer that uh, isn't going to just daily crush it. Right. Because yeah, it, was, it was funny I, when I started my, my weight loss journey, I had a trainer and he was, he was a little guy. Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, at the time I was, uh, you know, I'm six foot tall and, and maybe when I started working out with him, I was 270, 270 pounds and, you know, 20, 24, 25% body fat, you know, something atrocious. And, uh, you know, I ended up, I ended up getting down to, uh, 100 and 185 pounds and uh, 11, 11% body fat. Good. And uh, and my goal was to crush my trainer every time I went in. <laughs> you know, it just it always it always made me laugh. Just because yeah. at the same time it was rewarding, and I think it was rewarding for him and for me to be able to see that that journey. And right. you know, I think that I think no matter where we're at, I think that there's just so much. No matter where where somebody's at in their walk, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, there's always somebody to look to. And I think that you encompass so many of those things. I hope that it encourages people to participate with you and and to see you as not somebody who's going to look at them differently or or think less of them for something, but somebody who can walk alongside of them, like my trainer walked alongside of me, and and brought me to where I needed to be and until the point where I could, I could say, I don't need a trainer anymore and, and right. walk on my own two feet and to have a guy like you to just open up and say, Hey, I'm here for whoever needs me. Here's, here's how you get in touch. I think that that's commendable, buddy. I really do. Thank, thank you, Phil. I, I really, I really appreciate it. I mean, I'm very fortunate that fitness was always a part of my life, the positive part of my life. And I've got to carry that over, with my faith and rehabilitation and, you know, with the life that I have today. And, and so, uh, I, I really love my life. You know, I love that. I love God and that I love fitness and that I love eating well. And, you know, that I love people, you know, you can have all those things, but not like to talk at all. And I love to talk and I love to share and I love to make a difference. So thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, no problem at all. I want to thank you again for coming, spending time with us. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show once again. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get together down the road and do it all over again. Hey, I I would definitely look forward to it, man. Thank you again. (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Rob's story and just his passion that he has to get past where he's at and keep moving forward. I know he would love to hear from you. Again, you can follow Rob on Instagram at Decker underscore Rob or find him on his website at robdeckerspeaks.com. Send him a message either way. He's so approachable and such a kind-hearted man. I would encourage you to reach out if he could help you. Have a great day and be blessed.